0: beloveds welcome back to the word is resistance the podcast where we are exploring what our christian sacred texts have to teach us about living surviving even thriving in the context of empire tyranny violence and repression the times in which we are living today what do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance in showing up in liberation What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics and racial capitalism and the beauty of resistance? I am Reverend Kelsey Beebe, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ, and I serve as a local pastor at two UCC churches just south of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as well as the executive minister of the nonprofit Dancing Pastor Ministries and host of the Lady Preacher podcast, a podcast for progressive Christians. I live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, on the homeland of the Potawatomi peoples alongside Lake Michigan. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians, white Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado, in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word his resistance. Let us pray. God of many blessings, we pray today for peace. In your world. May each person who is listening today be filled with your love and accompanied by your grace. We ask that you open our hearts and minds today as we absorb your good news. In your name we pray. Amen. For today's episode, my friends, you will get to hear four stories told from the voices of women who were there with Jesus during Holy Week. And unfortunately, it's just my voice, but you get to hear the stories through their lens. And so I hope that as you hear these stories told from the women's perspective, it opens new doors for you as you discern what it might have been like for those who were there. Reading one. The woman anointing Jesus' feet, based on Matthew 26, verses 6 through through 13, and Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. We knew he was going to die. He'd told all of us several times, trying to prepare us for what was to come. But so many of them wanted to pretend like it wasn't true. They didn't have ears to hear, but I knew. The women always hear the whisperings of what is going on around town. We had heard powerful men talking. They often forgot we were in the room, or perhaps they figured we didn't understand. There was a plot against Jesus. They said he was causing too much trouble, wanting too much change too fast. They wanted to turn him over to Pilate and the other officials who would surely put Jesus to death. Several days before the Passover, Jesus came over to Simon's home. Martha was busy serving. She loved cooking and being the host, and she was quite good at it. Lazarus, our brother, was sitting with Jesus and the other disciples. I came in quietly and sat among them at Jesus' feet. He smiled down at me, reassuring me that, even as a woman, this was my rightful place. I could sit and listen to him teach. At a certain point, there was a lull in the discussion. I had placed an expensive jar of ointment in my apron, and I took it out. Overcome with love for my teacher, I placed my hand on his foot. He looked down and nodded at me, understanding the sentiment. I opened the jar and poured it onto his feet. I took my long hair and used it to help rub in the oil. The strong fragrance filled the room and everyone stopped talking. I felt all of their eyes piercing me. The disciples turned to one another and whispered something. I couldn't hear them well, but I think it was something about how expensive that ointment was that my doing this was wasteful. Jesus shot a stern look at the men and rebuked them, assuring them that what I had done was a great and profound act of love. In pouring out the oil on his feet, he said, I was preparing him for burial. It was true. I was preparing him for what would come next. Showing him the same love and care that he had always shown us doing what I could to soften the road for him. I knew the next steps of his journey wouldn't be easy. A few days later, another woman anointed Jesus' head with lard. Again, then, again, the disciples had criticized her, this time loudly around a table. But Jesus kindly assured her she had done nothing wrong, thanked her for, pre- for preparing him for burial, and promptly scolded the men. She and I both had the same urge. We wanted to respond to Jesus's love by sharing our love for him. The sacrifice we poured out with our oil and lard was so small in comparison to what he did for us. But I know it made him feel loved. I heard that later in the week, Jesus would do something similar for his disciples, wanting them to understand what it means to love and to serve. He would wash their feet. I take great comfort in knowing that my small act, pouring oil on his feet, is what allowed Jesus to feel loved and served that day. I pray he always knows how much we loved him. Our second reading is the women watching and ministering to Jesus when he died. Based on Matthew 27 verses 55 through 56 and Mark 15 verses 33 through 41. We gathered on a hillside, a short distance from where the three crosses were placed in the ground. One for our friend and teacher Jesus and two for other people from town being hung for their crimes. Several of us had followed Jesus from Galilee, but we were really from all over. Everywhere Jesus went, he made us feel seen and heard and understood. Unlike many of the men in our towns, he acknowledged us and encouraged us to listen to his teachings and learn. He appreciated our questions and never spoke down to us. He made us feel important and loved. It was an awful sight, really, watching him there on the cross. We could see where they had beaten him. We watched as they cast lots over his clothes and placed a thorny crown on his head, mocking him. Once most of the crowd had gone away, a few of us, including Jesus' mother Mary, We went and cleaned his wounds as best we could. But then with his eyes weak, but still full of love, he encouraged us to go back and be with the other women. Most of the men hadn't come. They were afraid for their lives too. Would people recognize them as his disciples? They didn't know what to do. So for now they were hiding, but we were there. The women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the wife of Zebedee, and Salome. There was nothing more we could do, but we sat there and waited with Jesus. We wanted him to know he wasn't alone. Our third reading Jesus' mother with the beloved disciple, based on John chapter 19, verses 25 through 30. I knew from the moment he was born that this boy was something special. Sure, there were messages from angels, shepherds, and magi, but most of all, it was this twinkle in his eye. It was the way he made everyone feel important, the way he always wanted to learn more and challenge his teachers and ask really hard questions to the rabbis. He had this way with people. He could get anyone to listen. They didn't always love what they heard, but he told the truth and people appreciated that. But after a while, there were whispers around town. Once I even went with his brothers and we tried to talk him into coming home. He was causing too much of a stir and my mother's heart just couldn't take it. I worried about him. And then one day those worries came true. I knew the day would come eventually, I just I just didn't think it would be so soon. I traveled with the other women to be with him as they took him out to Golgotha. He didn't belong there with the other criminals. All he had done was love people. No one really spoke to me that day. I don't think anyone knew what to say. What do you say to a mother watching her son be hanged? There are no words. They stayed with me, though. They held my hand or touched my shoulder. Without saying a word, they bore witness to my pain. When the crowds dispersed, Mary Magdalene, my sister, and a few of the others decided to go a little closer and tend to him. Tend to my son. I followed, and when we drew near to him, he called me over. He called one of his beloved disciples too, the only one of the boys who had dared to stay. Jesus looked at me with a love that only a mother could know. I could feel his pain in my womb. He said to me, mother, here is your son. And he looked at his friend, the disciple and said, here is your mother. In his greatest hour of need and in his deepest pain, all he wanted to do was make sure I was taken care of. I reached up to touch him one last time. After a brief moment, he encouraged us to go back with the other women. I knew he wanted to be alone with his God. From the hillside far away, we heard him cry out to God one last time. And then he took his last breath and gave up his spirit. In that moment, everything turned dark. Our fourth reading, The Women at the Burial based on Matthew chapter 27, verses 57 through 61, Mark chapter 15, verses 42 through 47, and Luke 23, verses 50 through 56. After Jesus breathed his last, a man from Arimathea named Joseph offered to provide a space for Jesus to be buried. He didn't think it was right for his body to hang there, On display. He went and spoke to Pilate, and Pilate agreed they could take his body to a tomb and bury him there. We did as we had always done when someone died. We prepared spices and oils, and we anointed him. Joseph helped wrap his body in a clean linen cloth. We laid him there in a tomb. We watched from a distance. As they rolled a great large stone in front of the opening. We sat there for a while just staring, thinking about all that had happened over the last few days. We thought about the crowds gathered in Jerusalem, the people who lined the streets when we arrived laying their cloaks on the ground, and the children who reached up and grabbed palm branches from the trees and laid them down Softening the road for Jesus. We thought about the women who had anointed his feet and his head with oil and the way he rebuked the disciples who criticized them. We thought of the disciples who had gathered with him for one last Passover meal and the laughter we heard coming from that upper room. We thought about Jesus' mother and the way she wailed when he breathed his last breath. We sat there, looking at that tomb with the big rock rolled in front of it. It all felt so final. We wondered, was that really all there was? As we close, I want to thank you for being here, for hearing the voices of these women. Thank you for showing up, for listening, and for being a part of this work. Thank you to each person who is part of our recording team at Surge Faith, and thank you to our incredible sound editor, Claire Hitchens, who makes the magic happen every week. And now, my friends, I invite you, as we close, to receive this blessing. May you go forth into your day, into your week, and into your life knowing that you are one of God's beloved children. May you sense God within you and around you, and may you feel the interconnectedness with all of God's creation, both in this life and the next. May you go forth held in the loving arms of our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer. Go in peace. Amen.